I leave it all at the cross. Boy, that really that touched my heart today. The reason being, I've got a past. Anybody else got a past? Am I the only one? I've got a past. And a lot of what's in my past, I'm certainly not proud of. You know, a lot of what um, I chose to do brought hurt to me, to my family, to those I love the most. A lot of what I chose to do in my past um, caused me to forfeit, I believe, many of the blessings of God. And so I'm not, I'm not proud of my past. I don't ever want to give glory to it. Um, but I don't want to live in it either. I'm so thankful this morning. I'm so thankful that we can leave it all at the cross. Not just the sin, but the guilt and the shame that that sin caused. See, when Jesus died for us, not only did he die for our sins, that's the purpose of the shed blood of Christ. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so it was through the shed blood of Jesus that our sin can be washed clean. Amen. But he also died for our shame, for our guilt. He hung naked on a cross between God and man. He was spit upon, beaten unmercifully, stripped naked, and hung on a cross. Listen, he died for my shame there just like he died for my sin. And so what somebody may need to do this morning is certainly accept forgiveness that comes freely through faith in Christ. But if you've done that, maybe you need to forgive yourself too. Some of the hardest people to get forgiveness from is, is yourself. And I know that from experience. But just remember, we can leave all of that at the cross. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to keep carrying around the weight of that guilt and the weight of that shame of your past. Because listen to me, if it's under the blood, it's forgiven. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So leave it all at the cross. And I'm um, so thankful that by the grace of God, we're able to do that today. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter number one. Today, we celebrate a great accomplishment for five of our graduating seniors. In just a few short weeks, these um, five high school seniors will be uh, graduating, and we're so thankful for them. We're so proud of them, and I cannot wait to see what the Lord is going to do in their life. I'm thankful for all of our kids. Man, I, me and Brandy just yesterday was over in the, in the fellowship hall doing some cleaning, and, and I looked over there on the, on the right side of the wall there, and there's about five high chairs just lined up down that wall, and I said, thank you, Jesus. Do you know why we have five high chairs? Because we need five high chairs. And that's an amazing thing. Praise God for the blessing he's given us and all the young people that we've got. We've got them that are in high chairs and we've got some that are now going to be graduating. We've got them all in between. And the Bible says, the scripture says that children are a blessing from the Lord. If you believe that, say amen. If you don't think you are blessed in your church because you've got a bunch of kids, try it without them for a while. I'm telling you, they bring life to your church in such a powerful, special way. And I'm so thankful for all the young people uh, that we've got here at Mount Zion. Um, 
Again, I cannot wait to see what the Lord's going to do with them. But, folks, also for me as your pastor, I'm burdened for I realize that with the great blessing of all these young'uns comes great responsibility. Would you agree with that? And it is my goal, it is my purpose uh, as a pastor to teach them what it means to trust in Jesus. To teach them what it means to follow Jesus. And to teach them what it means to walk in wisdom in a way that pleases the Lord. And I can't think of a better way to do that this morning than to look at the writings of King Solomon himself in the book of Proverbs. King Solomon is regarded as the wisest man who ever lived. And he wrote a whole book about wisdom that we could all um, certainly learn from and apply to our lives and that would truly make a, a difference for each and every one of us. Not just those graduating high school, not just little ones, but all of us. We need to understand uh, this morning what it means to live a life uh, that the Lord is pleased with according to His wisdom. And so before I do that, I, I want to give you my favorite definition of wisdom from one of my favorite little girls. Ellie Grace, could you help me out with that this morning? I want you to stand up and I want you to tell everybody what wisdom means. Amen. Did y'all hear that? I want to make sure everybody hears that. I love this definition. Wisdom is understanding how to use what you know to make God honoring your good choices. Amen. The understanding what you know um, to, so that you might know how to make God honoring good choices. We, we were having a, a family Bible study uh, one night at our house and, uh, and, and I was talking about wisdom and the importance of it. And, and I said, can anybody tell me what wisdom is? And man, she just rattled that right off. And I said, honey, where'd you, where'd you learn that? She said, I learned it in Sunday school, daddy. Now, I want you to tell you something. I am so very thankful that we've got Sunday school teachers who realize the responsibility we have to teach these young'uns what it means to trust in Jesus, follow Jesus, and live a life um, that is filled with the wisdom of God so that we can make God-honoring and good choices. And, and folks, that is so vitally important, and what a blessing it is to see our young people um, know what it really means to live a life that the Lord is pleased with, to live a life filled with God-honoring and good choices. Now, right here in the book of Proverbs, it starts off in the very first verse, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. So the whole purpose of the book of Proverbs is so that we might know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, verse number three, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma now watch what he says here the words of the wise and other riddles verse 7 I love this the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction let me share with you something folks do you realize this morning that knowledge real knowledge that's going to stir you in the right direction 
Real knowledge that is going to get you to where you really want to be. Real knowledge that will make a difference in your life in this earth and a difference in your eternity. Real knowledge that the Bible is speaking of here, listen to me now, is at first and foremost is founded in the fear of the Lord. If all you have is an addition of information, but you don't have a fear of the Lord, you're not going to have the knowledge that stirs you in the right direction. You're not going to have the knowledge that brings you to the place that you want to be in your life and in eternity. I don't care how much um, uh, additional information you receive by however you learn that, whether it be in, in elementary school or middle school or high school or college or, or whatever training you get. I want you to know if you're going to have knowledge that stirs you right and really makes a difference in your life, it begins with... The fear of the Lord. Nothing wrong with getting training. Nothing wrong with getting education. Get all the education that you can get. But now listen, it all really starts with the fear of God himself. You say, Russell, what do you mean the fear of the Lord? I'm talking about a reverence and respect for who God is, what God says, and what God has done. That's what he means there. Listen, to have knowledge that gets you where you want to be, stirs you in the right direction, it begins with a reverential fear of who God is, what he says, and what he's done. Now, let's go down, if you will, to verse number 20. Verse number 20 through verse number 33 is what I really want to focus on this morning. And if I were to entitle this message, I'm going to entitle it, A Word From Wisdom. Not a word of wisdom, but a word from wisdom. Let me tell you why I say that. Look at verse number 20, what it says. Wisdom calls aloud outside. Here in verse number 20, we see wisdom personified. You'll see that many times throughout the book of Proverbs. It'll, wisdom will be called her. Wisdom will be uh, given attributes of a person. And that's what happens here in the 20th verse. And wisdom speaks to us. Look, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Wisdom calls along outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gate in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For corners, for scorners, excuse me, delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused, watch what he says. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and could have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when, you t when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm, and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. And then they will call on me, but I will not answer. But they will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel. How many of you know we've got a choice to make, whether to fear God or not to fear God? But you need to understand that your choice has consequences. We, we've got to see that. That's what the book of wisdom is sharing with us right here in Proverbs chapter number 1. Verse number 31. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, watch what he says, will dwell in safety and will be secure 
without fear of evil. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for what you've done. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I'm so thankful for um, the, the young people that you've given us right here at Mount Zion. But Lord, not only for them, but for all of us, we need to know what it means to walk in wisdom. We want to get a word from you today, Lord, straight from your precious word, your Bible. And I'm asking that you would speak to me, Lord, and speak through me your truth to your people. Lord, we need you to do the work this morning because we can't do it. If anything's going to be done effectively, if anything's going to be done rightly, it's got to be done by your power, Holy Spirit. So I'm asking that you move me out of the way and you use me for your honor and your glory. Fill me up and pour me out this morning, I pray, into the lives of these people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for your sake, amen. Now, there's three things this morning that I want you to see concerning um, a word from wisdom. First of all, I want you to see wisdom's call, and then we're going to see wisdom's communication, and then we're going to see the calamity of the sinner. That's all outlined in verses 20 through verse number 23. Now, before we get started with that, though, I want you to understand that wisdom's word is God's word. Amen? Wisdom's call is God's call. Wisdom's warning is God's warning. A word from wisdom is a word from God. That's what we have in verses 20 through 23. It's really a final call that wisdom makes for us to do what we need to do concerning the Lord. And so, first of all, he says that wisdom's call in verse number 21 is throughout the whole streets and all the streets and in all the concourses. Look what he says there, 20 and 21. Wisdom calls calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. Everybody say open squares. Now there's three things that I want you to see this morning about wisdom's call that's very important. First of all, uh, wisdom's call is a public call. It's a public call. It says that he is, wisdom is calling out to the public. Wisdom is calling out to anyone who will listen. And if wisdom's call is God's call, that means God is calling out to anyone who will listen. If you believe it, say amen today. Let me tell you why I believe that. Because the Bible says that whosoever will may come to Jesus. The Bible said whoever believes on Christ for the forgiveness of sin shall be saved. The Bible says that the Lord is not just making this call to, to some people, but to all people. God don't just love some people, but all people. The scripture says Jesus tasted death for every man. This wisdom's call is a very public call. It's a call made to all who will receive it. I hear people talking about a lot of times joining these secret societies that have secret initiations. And they talk about all the good things they do and just how wonderful it is. I've just got one question, maybe so, but I've just got one question. If it's so good, if it's so wonderful, why aren't you letting everybody in on it? I never understood that. Man, if it's, if it's just uh, what you've been looking for, maybe it's what somebody else is looking for. If it's good for you, good chance it'll be good for others. I'm glad when it comes to the gospel message, when it comes to the truth of what God is saying to us this morning, listen, this call is to the public. It's to everyone who will receive it. It's not some, but it's all. 
It's a public call. Thankful for that. And you ought to be thankful for that. How many of you understand that, listen to me, the ground is level at the foot of the cross? Jesus loves you just like he loves me. Jesus loves me just like he loves you. I need him just like you need him. The ground is level. Regardless of social standing, regardless of of the power that you possess in this life, regardless of what your bank account statement says or what it don't say, Jesus loves you and you need Jesus. This call is to everyone. Wisdom is not just calling to a select few, but to all who listen. And I'm thankful for that. God's call is not just to me, but to us, all of us. It's a public call, but also it's a pressing call. You say, brothers, what do you mean a pressing call? Well, look how he puts it. Look there in verse number, th- number 20. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries aloud in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates of the city. She speaks her words. Everywhere she can speak, she is speaking. And she's not doing it with a lackadaisical attitude. She's not doing it like with a take it or leave it. You know, that's not what she's doing. She's screaming aloud. Dr. J. Vernon McGee about this verse in his commentary through the Bible. He said wisdom is calling out with a tear in her voice. One thing that I love about, there's a lot of things I love about Brother Herb Revis. He's one of my favorite preachers of all time. If you've never heard Herb Revis that I encourage you, get online and look him up. That brother is used to the Lord. The Lord speaks to him and through him mightily. Every time I've ever heard Herb Brevis preach, he'll always begin his sermon by praying this prayer. He will always pray, Lord, may I preach as a dying man to a dying people. Do you realize that's what we all are? I'm a dying man. You are a dying people. And like I said before, we all need the Lord. So when wisdom calls, it's a pressing call. It's an invitation made that God wants everybody to hear. Because we know the terror that is coming, The scripture says we persuade men. That's what Paul says. Why do we give an invitation at the end of the service? Because I want to give you time to do business with God. This wisdom's call is a pressing call for us all. It's a public call. It's a pressing call. But let me give you the third one. It's a patient call. And I like this. Look at the next verse. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Three types of people are given to us right here in Proverbs 1.22. First of all, he talks about the simple ones. Now, what does it mean when he says simple ones? Well, I think really what it's talking about there, that word actually means gullible or careless. It's people who just believe anything and everything. It's people who never really think seriously about anything in their life. And I'm going to say that's about 95% of the people 
people in our world today. They never really think about things like eternity. They never really think about the consequences that come as a result of their action. They never really think about the godly things that they need in their life that would make a difference in their life. They're careless. They're a little bit gullible. Just like I used to be a whole lot careless and a whole lot gullible. Listen to me, folks. The simple ones before long can turn into the scornful ones. That's the second group that he mentions right here. Who are the ones who scorn? Well, they're the ones who laugh and scoff at holy things. The Bible has a lot to say about them because they're everywhere. They went from being careless to being cynical. They went from being lackadaisical in their attitude to being cynical about all the things of God, about the truth of God. They've gotten too big for the riches and think they know too much, and now God is just a figment of religious people's imagination or how they see it, and they love to make fun of holy things. That's the scorner. But then the Bible says there's also fools that hate knowledge. Now, the good news is God loves the simple, God loves the scorner, and God even loves the fool. And God is continually drawing all of them unto himself. How do I know that? Because I used to be the simple. Praise be unto the mighty name of Jesus. I never got to the scorning stage. Anybody who has gotten to the scorning stage, I believe 100% must trust in Jesus. The simple, the scorner, the fool, all of these people, listen to me now, Jesus died for. If you find yourself in any of these categories, I've got great news for you. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I've got fantastic news for you. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. The Lord is patiently calling to you. Wisdom's call is a patient call to all the public. It's a public call. It's a pressing call. It's a patient call. But let me give you a verse that really messes with me a little bit. Do you know what the scripture says in the book of Genesis? It says that God's spirit don't always have to strive with man. See, I think there will come a time in your life when God gives you a final call. When it, you get to the place where you have completely and totally rejected, scorned, and foolishly turned away from everything God's trying to teach you and show you. And God says, okay, that's enough. Wisdom's call can be a final call. That's why it's so important that today be the day you make the decision to believe on Christ. Seek the Lord, the scripture says, while he may be found. Proverbs 22 
in verse number three. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Listen to what this says concerning um, Proverbs 122. It's great commentary on it. It says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Don't pass on. Don't keep going the same direction you're going. Don't be a part of the three groups of people we just talked about. Wisdom's call is to you. It's for you. God this morning is speaking to you through his word. You need to see wisdom's call, but you also need to see wisdom's communication. Look what it says there in Proverbs 1.23. Look how he puts it. He says, turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. So there's three things in this verse that I want you to see. First of all, he says, turn at my rebuke. When you hear what's right, when you hear my word, turn from the way you're going and turn to my way. That, that, there's a, a word that we use for that. It's called repentance. See, what he's really talking about here is repentance of the sinner. When we choose to turn from the way we're going and turn to the Lord. When we choose to turn from our sin and turn toward Christ. So that wisdom is telling us, God is telling us, turn from my rebuke. Repent of your sins. Brother, if you will, please put for me on the screen Isaiah chapter number uh, 55 in verse number 7. Great verse on repentance. Look how the scriptures describe repentance here. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. Somebody say amen. So what the Bible is telling us is that those who turn to the Lord, God will show mercy to you. If you'll change your mind, change your way, and turn from your way to God's way, He will show you mercy that we all need. One of my favorite scriptures comes from Lamentations chapter number 1 and verses 22 and 23 where the Bible teaches that the mercies of God are new every morning. You ought to take advantage of that. Yeah, listen, we need God's mercy every morning. We need to continually turn from the way we're going and turn toward the Lord. Repentance is not just a one-time event. Now, sure, I repented when I got saved, but I'm going to tell you something. I've repented a whole lot more after I got saved than when I got saved. I have to repent daily. I believe in keeping a, a, a short account with the Lord. Don't allow things to build up in your life that's going to hinder you from being what God has saved you to be. Don't allow unconfessed sin in your life to steal from you the joy of the Lord. Don't allow unconfessed sin in your life to hinder the purpose God has saved you for. Because He saved you for a reason. He's wanting to use you. To impact others for the kingdom of God. And so there got to be some repentance that takes place. But now look what happens. After a man repents. Look what the Bible tells us. Go back to uh, Proverbs 1.23 please. <clears throat> Turn at my rebuke. Repentance. 
Surely I will pour out my spirit. Then when a man repents, revelation of the spirit happens in their life. Do you remember us talking a few weeks ago uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, that the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit of God for they are spiritually discerned. See, there's a lot of people who think, you know what, I, I, I just can't understand the Word of God. I just don't get it. And I just don't get it because may, maybe I'm, I'm just don't, uh, I have the, the knowledge to do so. May, maybe, well, I'm not a preacher. I've not had training. I've not been to seminary. I'm not this. I'm not that. Let me tell you this, folks. It's the Holy Spirit of God who teaches to us His book. You'll never get spiritual things, listen to me now, until you are born again by the Spirit. In the Spirit. Until you are indwelled by the Spirit. Spiritual things are going to make no sense to you. Listen to me. You can memorize all 66 books of the Bible. You can know them in their order. You can memorize the names of the 12 apostles. You can know how many tribes there were in Israel and, and list the kings in order. You can know all those facts and figures, but you'll never get the spirit of the Bible, the truth that lies in the Bible that makes the difference in your life without God the Holy Spirit working on you, in you, and through you. Why? Because these things are spiritually discerned. Now, when you repent, you know what God promises? I'll pour my spirit out on you. I'll give you what you need to be what I've created you to be, which is his power. Repentance of the sinner, revelation of the spirit, and I look what else. Then he says in verse 23, I will make my words known to you the reliability of the scripture. Do you know you can trust the word of God? I'm going to tell you something, folks. I've been a serious student of the word of God now for about 23 years. And I want to tell you, I believe it more today than ever before. God keeps proving himself. Over and over and over again. God is amazing in that what he promises, he has done and continues to do. You can trust in the reliability of God's precious, powerful word. The Bible says when you repent, when then God gives you revelation by his spirit, then he'll teach you his reliable word. You can trust in it. You should trust in it. Build your life upon it. Amen. Jesus said it like this. He said, man who hears my word and keeps them will be like the man who built his house upon a rock. And when the floods come and the winds blow, that house will stand because it's built on the firm foundation of the rock, the precious word of God. Now listen to me, folks. Floods are going to come your way. Winds are going to come your way. Storms are going to enter your life. What are you truly founded upon? Wisdom's call is for us all. You need to see, folks. Wisdom's call, wisdom's communication. But number three, you also got to see the calamity of the sinner who rejects the call. 
That's what he gives us here. Look at verse number 24. Watch how he puts it. Because I've called and you refused. I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded. What's God saying? I've loved you. And because I've loved you, I've told you the truth. I've given you what you need. I've given you my word, but no, you would not regard it. I've stretched out my hand and you wouldn't take it. And because of this, watch the next verse, verse 25. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. Do you see it? I'm going to tell you something, folks. There comes a time when sinners who have rejected God, when scorners who have laughed at holy things, when fools have turned their back on the God who loves them, that calamity will strike those people. And the Lord says, at that time, I'll be the one laughing. You say, now wait a minute, brothers. How could a loving God do that to people? He didn't do it. He didn't do it. You me tell you why? Listen to me, folks. God has done absolutely everything necessary for you to be in a right relationship with him. He sent you his son. And because he loved you, he put his son on a cross to pay the payment for your wrong and for my wrong. And because he loved you, he continually, patiently calls out to you. But if you refuse to answer, then that's no longer on God. That's on you. Listen to me. If you continually turn away from his rebuke, that's not on God. That's on you. That's on me. Folks, listen to me. God's trying to give each and every one of us truth from a heart of love that will change our lives. It's up to us whether or not we receive it. If you're here today and you die and go to hell, you will do so having stepped over the cross. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that people trample underfoot the blood of the Son of God. When they reject who Christ is and what he's done. Verse 27, watch this. He says, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distresses and anguish come upon you, watch this. When they call on me, but I will not answer, they will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. There'll come a time after God has called and called and called and patiently called again that God says, okay. If you don't want what I have to offer, if you don't want me, then you must go your own way. And he said, they'll call and I won't answer. Folks, think about that. You know, about six, eight months ago, 
I went to my doctor's office. And I walked up, signed in, and I had my earbuds with me. So I was listening to a podcast before I walked in, and I thought, well, while I'm waiting, I'll just sit here and listen to the rest of it. So I put my, my uh, ear pods in and was sitting there back in the back of the waiting room. And while I was sitting there listening, I, I started noticing that the waiting room had cleared out, you know, pretty good. And I looked around. It was just me sitting there all the way over in the corner. So I walked up to the, person, the lady at the desk, and I said, Ma'am, um, I've been here for quite a while. Um, am I going to get to see the doctor today? She said, well, I've already called your name three times. And I said, I'm so sorry. I was back there. I had my earphones in. I didn't hear you. Um, I wasn't listening for it. I, I apologize. And I said, well, can I still, still see the doctor? She said, no, I'm sorry. The doctor's already left. She's already gone. So I just spent an hour and a half in a doctor's office and missed the call when the call came. It's too late. You say, brother, that's crazy. That's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I agree with you. That is pretty dumb. But let me tell you what's even dumber than that. If today you hear the truth of the word of God, you hear wisdom's call, you see what God has promised in his truth, you reject what God is saying and you miss out on your opportunity to know Him. I am a dying man. I am preaching to a dying people and each and every one of us are a heartbeat away from eternity. Where you spend it is a direct result of the decision you made whether to accept Christ or reject Him. I put in your bulletins this morning, I hope you saw it in the pastor's corner. God has allowed us the privilege of choosing Him or refusing Him. A lot of people say, well, brothers, if God's really going to save you, you can't refuse it. That ain't what this says. I called, you wouldn't answer. I reached out my hand, you wouldn't take it. I've done everything that needs doing for you to be right with me, and you didn't want it. You've been given the choice. I'm asking you. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Choose wisely. Everybody stand together this morning.